0: Welcome to Building Boston and Beyond, an educational podcast providing residents with information on the economic growth of their community and the many resources and services available to improve their quality of life. From discussions with public officials, businesses, organizations, and people wanting to affect change, Building Boston and Beyond aims to further educate and empower residents to have a voice, connect with their community, and join the decision-making process. Boston's greatest days are ahead of us, says Boston City Councilor at large Michael Flaherty. Born and raised in Boston, Councilor Flaherty's pride shows through as he traces his career path and experiences along the way. A desire and tireless passion to serve the public, Councilor Flaherty represents every neighborhood in the city of Boston. From engaging community participation and building partnerships to introducing and promoting services and resources, his goal to improve the quality of life for residents. The City of Boston is experiencing a transformation, yet, one could argue, are we all benefiting? Council Flaherty joins Building Boston and Beyond today to discuss the challenges facing Boston and the various programs and services underway to improve what's important to us all. Let's hear from Counselor Flaherty. Counselor Flaherty, let's share with our listeners a little about yourself, your path into politics, how it began, when.
1: Very good. Well, I was born and raised in Boston, specifically uh, South Boston, the old Harbor Project, which is now called Mariela McCormick. And then up to Third Street, went to schools locally, went to BC High, went to Boston College and Boston University School of Law, mm-hmm. and obviously developed a passion for public service. Uh, watching my dad build a career helping people as a Massachusetts State Representative, he had served 25 years in the legislature, and also my time uh, coaching Little League, coaching youth hockey, volunteering, participating in an organization called Cell Boston Against Drugs, uh, So Bad, uh, also for the Tynan Community Council, as well as the South Boston Citizens Association, or uh, it served as its director so really just uh, participating locally in the community kind of gave me a passion for wanting to get involved and wanting to help people. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, I served time as a teamster. Sort of local 25 uh, worked my way through college and law school, and also served as an assistant district attorney. I ran for office and uh, got elected in 1999, uh, defeating the irascible Dapper O'Neill. I served till 2009 when I had run for mayor. It was really the opportunity of running for mayor that uh, I was able to effectively, you know, build a strong and diverse coalition of supporters representing all of Boston's neighborhoods. Right. I know the neighborhoods. I know the you know the groups and organizations within those neighborhoods. That's sort of it in a nutshell. It was really just getting involved. It was volunteering, coaching, helping kids kind of gave me a, a desire and a passion to take my service to a different level and, you know, and running for the city council.
0: So your role, I mean, your role places you in every neighborhood in the city working to help improve the quality of life for residents. Let's talk about your advocacy work and committees you lead.
1: So, obviously, I pride myself on being, you know, to truly being a citywide city council. It's the best part of being an at-large council. You get to spend time in each and every neighborhood. And as I reference, you get to know uh, the different groups and organizations and constituencies within that particular neighborhood. Uh, as a result of knowing the city and its neighborhoods, and now as serving as chair of the Community Preservation Committee, we have an opportunity through the Community Preservation Act and those matching funds to distribute money to applicants for uh, the creation of affordable housing, protection of open space, as well as historic. Historical preservation. Since uh, the program and since my committee started, we've been able to disperse uh, over 92 million to just under 200 projects, 198 to be exact, with close to 50 million of that being dedicated to affordable housing initiatives. But, you know, there's no secret sauce. It's like any group, any organization, any friends group, could even be little league coaches or youth hockey coaches, uh, soccer coaches, anything that's going on in your community, down at your local ball field, you know, wherever there's uh, open space and or the need to create you know, senior housing or veteran housing at all good stuff and so groups and organizations just have to tender an application to the cpa and it gets vetted and if they get selected then they get awarded the funds and some folks get it on their first try Uh, some groups have tried two or three times and each time sort of making their application better and or improving or bringing in additional partners uh, that always helps you know cpa likes to get involved with organizations that have a plan and uh, have uh, done some fundraising on their own and then this is sort of the, the cherry on top if you will but it's been great process is uh, it's It's transparent. And there's been almost 200 projects that have been beneficiaries of a little over 92 million. So we're going to start the next round fairly soon. And hopefully there'll be some folks that are listening to the podcast that uh, either have an application pending or don't know much about it and want the information. It's easy, accessible online at the city's website. And I also go around to different neighborhoods having tutorials. I bring the community preservation folks out to explain to civic associations and friends groups uh, and housing advocates as to how they can best prepare and how they can put their uh, best for when it comes to filling out the application. So. Uh, it's exciting stuff.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah, that's such a great program. Let's talk about um, advocates for rent control. Good idea, bad idea. Are there alternatives to rent control?
1: Yeah, no, and, I know. And the, and the pressure is there. I don't think it's the answer. I don't think there's one sort of panacea, if you will. I think it has to be a collection of different things. One of the first pieces of legislation that I had filed, which is to increase the linkage formula, which at the time uh, had not even been given a cost of living adjustment since its inception uh, in 1983 during the Flint administration under the efforts of former Council of the late uh, Bruce Bowling. So those are things that um, obviously I wanted to continue to, to champion on uh, IDP, mm-hmm. AMI. One of the problems with AMI is Boston's lumped in with some of uh, metro suburban communities. We should be given mm-hmm. our own AMI number. That would obviously go a long way in helping identify sort of the appropriate figures and numbers because what's affordable to you and to me may be different what's affordable to, to different folks. And so Absolutely. making sure that we're putting the developers who are coming in doing the development, want to make sure that through the inclusionary development, policy, we have more flexibility. We were able to do that two years ago. I worked closely with the former Walsh administration and my colleagues to pass a home rule petition that updated and strengthened the linkage formula that gave the city more flexibility to change the exaction rate each year, sort of depending on what's happening. That enables us to keep pace with cost of living in the city and also ensure that we continue to exact you know, the proper amounts of affordable housing. You know, we obviously we want to encourage investment, we want to encourage development, we want to keep the jobs, uh, particularly in the, the building trades and constructions, cranking. We want CEOs to to move their companies here and to bring those jobs. But at the same token, we're starting to see Boston Manhattanize itself. Well, we're becoming the city of the very rich and the very poor. And you know, there are some that are clamoring for a return of rent control. You know, I don't think it's that simple. I think that you really need to look at everything that you have and really. Linkage formula is very helpful. Uh, IDP is very helpful. Developing more housing, putting more housing online is is also helpful. Creating more affordable opportunities. Unfortunately, Boston we're we're a mm-hmm. land poor city. And as a result of that, you know we're going to continue to to try to put as much. Housing online. We also had a problem with the short term rentals. They were taking very much very precious and valuable housing yes. stock offline, particularly South Boston, South End, North End, Charlestown, more in the sort of the densely populated portions of our city that you know, were close to the shops and the restaurants and the right. convention center. And that really put a crunch on two fronts. One, it took the precious housing stock offline. And then also, we were getting complaints about just the, the loud parties and carrying on at all hours. And then the 911 and the 311 calls would be coming in. And then they'd be calling the district and at large councilors As a result of Airbnbs and the problems we were having with Airbnbs, that forced the city to create problem property division. Mm. And we went out identifying problem properties and tracking down landlords. But as a result of all of that, you know, we obviously have new regulations on short-term rentals. And when I was the chair of government operations, worked closely with the administration as well as my colleagues to, to pass probably one of the strongest short-term rental regulations in the country Mm -hmm. in order to return and restore much needed uh, supply to our housing stock, but also to restore order to some of our neighborhoods.
0: Right, right. That's great work. Let's move into your push for voter access to polls. Clearly passionate about that.
1: As a citywide city council wanting to make sure that uh, I was doing my best to increase voter turnout and also Mm -hmm. access to the polls and including early voting and multilingual ballots and legislation that enable people to register to vote at all municipal buildings. And it goes back to 2014. i led the effort on the ordinance to allowed for multilingual ballots, specifically Spanish, Chinese, and Vietnamese. felt it was important given the relationships that I had in those communities, but also as an effort to, to be a citywide counselor and, and also firmly believing that Bostonians should be able to exercise their right to vote regardless of their comfort level with reading and understanding English. So I thought that was very important to take a lead on that uh, on the council. And, and then obviously in 2015, there was the ordinance to create early voting. By expanding early voting, we would greatly increase you know, access to participation. And then most recently in 2018, uh, I introduced an ordinance to increase access to voter registration that allowed people to register to vote in municipal buildings across the city. So anything we can do to make it easier uh, for folks to access and to uh, be able to vote, the better
0: Absolutely. We realize it's important to encourage participation and everyone should have access. Let's move to public safety. The city is experiencing disturbances in, in South Boston, all night partying, loud music, littering. How are you and your colleagues working to address this?
1: Yes. We unfortunately had a very violent uh, weekend. I want to say it was on the 4th of July itself. I want to say Sunday alone, five shootings, uh, one fatal, four non-fatal. We also had a number of dabbings as well. So not good for the city this weekend. Clearly much better than we seeing and hearing in other cities like Baltimore and Chicago, et cetera. But uh, we're Boston and uh, one obviously is is too many. So we obviously need to redouble our efforts. to create opportunities, which we did in the budget, uh, increasing funding for youth, uh, not just summer jobs, but year-round jobs, keeping these kids busy, keeping them off the streets, out of gangs, away from drugs, making sure that we're getting enough guns off the street. Working and partnering with our Boston Police Department, you know, uh, arguably one of the best police departments in the country, uh, particularly around our. Community policing model, which is the envy of a lot of other jurisdictions. Uh, is our police department perfect? No, it's not. Are we better than a lot of other jurisdictions? Absolutely. And we need to continue to work on that and those partnerships uh, through community policing and through community based organizations and our local elected officials. And I've always felt that, you know, we're never going to be able to arrest our way out of the problem and that we need to have more of a holistic approach to, to solving crime. And right. it's not just about arresting and prosecution. And so, you know, looking at things, as I just mentioned, uh, in, in increasing funding 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 for job training, partnering with these companies that are coming to Boston and need a workforce, pushing our BPS to put the emerging economy and the job market into the curriculum to help train that next wave of employees so that closes not only the achievement gap, but we can close the wealth gap and the opportunity gap and make sure that those jobs that are coming online in the South Boston waterfront, not only are they helping and trickling through the neighborhoods, uh, the host community of South Boston, but that they're trickling out through all the neighborhoods of Boston. and That's really been no goal of mine. Mm -hmm. Treatment on. Demand. We get a lot of individuals that you know create and, and a lot of the havoc because they're uh, they're not right uh, mentally and physically uh, through uh, use and abuse of substances, and so into mental health issues. And so you know again, having treatment on demand uh, with uh, aftercare, um, better mental health and trauma support, more funding for the best clinicians. Uh, you know in the in, in the hub and core models, which uh, you know are sort of a they're at, the, they're at the crux of um, you know our um, our community engagement. So um, you know, I've also worked on gun safety legislation, um, helping secure more Shot Spotter technology for neighborhoods. Uh, worked on the Trust Act, and also uh, with respect to Kevlar passing weapons, uh, making sure that uh, they're banned. So it's. A number of things that we've done on the public safety front, and it's through partnerships. No one person, no one agency, no one department or group can do it alone. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes to point the finger at the police department, but we're doing the very best that they can. As a reference, are they perfect? No, they're not. But we're lucky and we're blessed to have a very highly trained department. And we see with the community groups and the organizations and the elected officials where they work closely with their police department. And in Boston, it's not just the Boston Police Department. We also have the state police. We have the MBTA police. We have a lot of our colleges and universities who have their own police forces. And again, it's partnerships, it's collaboration, it's sharing of information, it's working together. That's what I think makes our city special. And it's why we, we don't have the incidents that we're seeing in, in other jurisdictions. And so I hope that that will continue. And we'll continue to fund programs that, again, improve the quality of our schools, give kids options outside of gangs and drugs and guns, and hopefully we can reduce the crime. And, and then obviously shifting to, you know, I, I see it in my neighborhood, just the neighborhood disturbances, the you know, whether it's the public drinking, the loud music, the all- night partying, the littering, you know, kids getting beer and wine delivered to them at the beach. And then they're there all day and into the evening, creating issues, obviously, for the lifeguards and the local police departments, as well as the neighbors. Right, right. And obviously, and leaving all their trash behind. So we've been working closely with inspectional services. We've been working with the Office of Neighborhood Services. We've been working with police, Boston State and MBTA police, as well as our civic associations, uh, residents and neighbors, just to engage, to find out what we can do to kind of curtail some of the activity and how we can uh, you know, raise awareness and, and identify and target those problem properties and other the repeat offenders. Mm-hmm. Everybody should have the ability to enjoy where they live, uh, clearly uh, the neighborhood and particularly the beaches. We've got the A rating. Lydia, this weekend, they rated all the beaches, particularly the South Boston beaches. They gave them all an A for water quality. and That's been a great effort through city, uh, state, and federal funding, organizations like Save the Harbor, Save the Bay, DCR, cleanup efforts. It's been a process by which all of a sudden now our beaches are not only respectable, but they're highly sought after. And that's a great spot, particularly in the summer months. You know, Folks should be able to come in and be able to enjoy the city, enjoy the beach, etc. Just want Folks to be able to gather safely, uh, celebrate uh, appropriately, um, and also, you know, make sure that uh, you know you take, um, you know, your your um, you know, your trash and your litter with you, and you know, and, and ask that you not be cranking the tunes till four in the morning. It's pretty pretty simple ask.
0: I think it's important to get the message out too. These are families that have lived in the city for generations. So we take pride where we live. We enjoy the services that we have, and, and we just like people to respect that. What are we doing about the fireworks? I mean, that is... Has become a problem.
1: Former Mayor Wall set up a uh, task force, fireworks task force, led by Commissioner Dempsey, who, by the way, is doing a phenomenal job on behalf. Mm-hmm. It's gotten a little quieter in some parts of the city, so uh, we have to continue to keep an eye on that, monitor that situation, work with the local organizations and our police department. Too. same with the uh, the motorcycles and scooters that kind of zip up and down at high rates of speed.
0: That's good and, to hear.
1: Again, these are just basic quality of life issues that people call your office about, or you, they want the city to respond to, and.
0: Right. I'm sure our listeners are happy to hear that because clearly you've outlined a number of issues just really increased over the past year or two. And uh, it's really hard to handle. Let's see your vision for the future. I mean, you're, you're a citywide city councilor and you have been combination of over 22 years. What's your vision for the city, for the quality of life
1: improvements? My vision is a city where opportunities are afforded for each and every individual of our neighborhood. You know, we have the best colleges, universities, and hospitals in the world. Right here in Boston, CEOs are moving their companies here every day, bringing with them good, high-paying jobs. So, you know, we need to align our workforce development training, our BPS curriculum, and our outreach efforts to make sure that our residents, uh, the residents of Boston, our kids in particular, this next generation, that they're getting access to these jobs and that they're prepared for the jobs of the future that are in their own backyard. Uh, Nothing worse than to see sort of the new emerging industries down on the South Boston waterfront and not realizing that that's not trickling straight up D Street into the the West Broadway development or beyond that uh, into Dorchester, into Mattapan, into Roxbury. So we have to do a better job of connecting our residents to the opportunities that are coming online. They're there now. More are coming because I see that as a citywide city council, I see the proposals, I see the plans, I know which companies are thinking about andor or just, have just inked a deal and or taken space. And so making sure that we're connecting those dots mm-hmm. to, as I mentioned earlier, to, to close the achievement gap, to mm-hmm. close the opportunity gap and ultimately, to close the wealth gap. You know, I truly believe that, that Boston's greatest days are ahead of us and that you know, the current challenges that face our city while urgent, there are also opportunities for us to succeed.
0: Uh, one last thing, the investment in the parks is huge. Most recently, it's massive. I find that just so important for the quality of life of, of residents in Boston is to have access to the environment. I'm just really, really proud that obviously you, along with the council and the mayor, have really focused on the revitalization of the parks in and around the city.
1: Right. It was sort of a perfect storm last year. Of We had increased the budget for the parks department and increased uh, resources for climate resiliency, also received you know, federal funds. And then, of course, the best thing was CPA, CPA just added to that mm-hmm. up and joked with the former commissioner and chief of parks that he was so happy and excited that the last round of hearings because he was the beneficiary of <laughs> in- increase all across the board. And that was the city's commitment at the time, Mayor Walsh's commitment to to our park system, to our ML necklace, into open space that uh, he backed it up with his budget. And then obviously on top of that we did receive some federal funds on the resiliency side of the house and also those cpa funds came in handy so yeah it was perfect so you're starting to see the see a big difference this year
0: thank you Councilor Flaherty for joining building boston and beyond and providing this informative update to our listeners for more information on Councilor Flaherty's initiatives go to www.michaelflaherty.com visit buildingbostonandbeyond.com to get a glimpse of our future guests and the many ways you can follow us on social media. Join us next time to hear the latest topics of discussion in Boston and beyond.